RN's Progressive Radio News Hour. I'm Steve Lindman. My guest today is Jim Petrus. Jim is a regular on the program, always lots to discuss. Jim, I think at the end of this week, uh, Congress adjourns for uh, uh, the Christmas holiday break. Whether the House and Senate do on the same day, I'm not sure, but just around this time. So they're rushing through final things. I think one of my wishes is that they would adjourn and just stay adjourned and take the Obama a bunch with them and not come back. Uh, the Senate has certainly been active, released a torture uh, report, leaving out the most important things that people need to know. It was a pretty damning report, but of course all the heavy stuff was redacted, and then passing lawless sanctions against Venezuela. Jim, I'll let you jump into these topics. Well, first of all, uh, Steve, uh, the, the, CIA, uh, the report on CIA torture uh, needs a political context. That is, what, what are the politics of having a global secret police force? Or why does that secret police force rely on terror? And, and I think first question is, why have a, 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 a CIA, which is essentially a secret police force? And I think the reason is that they are defending an empire. They are defending... Uh, fundamental U.S. economic interests and military bases overseas. They're engaged in propping up uh, colonial regimes like Israel. They're there uh, to support uh, reactionary regimes like Saudi Arabia, uh, Pakistan, uh, etc. And so uh, the politics of the CIA, the reason we have a CIA is basically because we have uh, a, a aggressive uh, expansionist foreign policy. Now, the second question is, why resort to torture? Now, there's a lot of ways of uh, uh, overseas uh, operators and, and governments uh, uh, getting information but when you invade and occupy a country and destroy its, its livelihood, as happened in, in Afghanistan, Iraq, and is now going on in Syria and Libya, uh, the population is hostile. Uh, you can't go into neighborhoods and ask, uh, who, who are the bad guys? Who, who are the uh, terrorists? Because the people that are engaged in resistance have the support of their friends, families, neighbors, countrymen, co-religionists, etc. So they can't get in voluntary information from people about uh, resistance in, uh, activities. Uh, who's going to turn in what they consider to be patriots? You have to either secure informants, and that's very difficult because of the intensity of the uh, uh, oppression. So what's the resort to, to, to torture is to grab anyone, 
family members, neighborhood people, and, and try to force them to identify dissidents, to, to identify critics, to identify resistance uh, activists and militants. And that's, what, that's what's behind uh, torture. It's that an invading army lives and operates in a sea of hostility. In order to break the, the bonds of people in a colonized country, they resort to torture. And the same goes from Israel. There's such a convergence between the methods of torture used by the CIA and the Mossad. Uh, all the uh, uh, techniques of sexual humiliation, for example, of, of Muslim men was practiced years before by the Israelis on, on the uh, Palestinians. The same techniques of uh, forced feeding of hunger strikers now being practiced in Israel uh, was learned from the United States. So there's a kind of cross-fertilization of terrorists. And, and I finally want to make one uh, general comment. The report talks about the, uh, the uh, torturers. They say we have to identify who these people are because their names are important, they tell us. But the fact of the matter is that the top officials in the U.S. government, George Bush, Obama, Feinstein, the whole Congressional Intelligence Committee, they didn't, they, they can't claim they didn't know. I mean, the CIA made weekly reports to the National Security uh, Agency. There was publications, military testimony during Abu Ghraib. Uh, the, the, what was it, Colonel Sanchez testified about the brutality and torture. Uh, the, the, they can't play Mickey the Dunce and say, well, all this was going on for over a decade and a half, and we didn't know about it. It reminds me of what the Nazis claimed. They saw smoke coming out of chimneys in, in, uh, in, in Auschwitz. What did they think? They claimed, well, we didn't know what was going on. What did they think? They were roasting chestnuts or toasting sausages for the inmates? Nobody believed that at Nuremberg, and nobody's going to believe that Bush, Obama, etc., et didn't know about torture because they had reports and they were privy and, and accomplices. And that raises the question of prosecution. Are we, are we going to prosecute low-level torturers? Are we going to go after the top leaders who cannot credibly claim that they didn't know what was going on, just as we didn't believe the Nazi leaders didn't know what was going on in, in, in the ovens of the concentration camps. We can't believe that the U.S. top officials didn't know what was going on in these interrogation rooms and the claim that they, they justify terror on the basis of the ticking bomb is just nonsense. That's the kind of stuff that was peddled by Mossad 
and 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 uh, Alan Dershowitz in the United States, the ticking bomb theory. We had to torture them to defend our people from a terrorist incident. There's no data. There's no proof that any of the hundreds of tortured people were part and parcel of a bomb plot directed at any particular people or place. And that is the justification that's put out now. And finally, yesterday on Fox News, Cheney, Dick Cheney, the uber criminal of the Bush administration, openly declared that it's pure crap that Obama and, and, and Bush weren't told about torture. Cheney is such a reactionary, uh, he believes in torture, uh, that he came out and blew their cover. He said, of course they knew. They were told. They supported it. And the same goes for Obama. He says, they should assume responsibility and be proud of the torturers. And, and that is the former vice president of the United States. So where do we go from here? The U.N. says there should be a political trial for the violations of international law. Jim, there is so much I could say in uh, just commenting on what you said. On the one hand, it's been a long time, but uh, some of my earliest writing was about uh, torture as official U.S. policy and infamous torture memos coming out of the Bush administration. I remember quoting from them verbatim, including uh, Bush's so-called uh, military order number one, virtu virtually, virtually uh, a diktat authorizing arrest and torture and imprisonment. Well, everybody in the Bush administration knew about it. The Congress knew about it. Jim, if you, I, and virtually everybody listening to this program knows about it, obviously Obama and his thugs know about it, too. A couple more things as well. I wrote about this. I didn't include it in my in my article yesterday called Crime Without Punishment, but, but studies done by Seton Hall University and work done by the Center for Constitutional Rights showed that somewhere on the order of 95% of all the prisoners at Guantanamo were brought there uh, as, 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 as political prisoners on bounty, uh, turned in by neighbors, by anybody who wanted to make a few fast bucks, 5,000 per claimed Taliban member, 25,000 per claimed Al-Qaeda member. If you didn't like your next-door neighbor, turn him into the police, get, 20, get five or $25,000. Virtually everybody at Guantanamo was absolutely innocent, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who had absolutely nothing to do with 9-11, and if you torture anybody long enough, they'll say anything you want them to say just to get the pain stopped. And two U.S. Supreme Court decisions going back to the 1920s and 1930s ruled torture extracted evidence is illegal, and international law says torture is illegal at all times, under all circumstances, with no allowed exceptions. That the Obama people don't know this, of course they know this. The one that needs to be held most responsible, Jim, is Obama himself and Bush himself. The buck stops at the top. That's true, uh, Steve. And the question then is, uh, how will prosecution uh, take place? Because as you mentioned, Article 2 of the Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman, or Degrading Treatment or Punishment states, and I quote, no exceptional circumstances whatsoever whether a state of war or a threat of war, 
internal political instability, or any other public emergency may be invoked as a justification of terror, uh, as a justification uh, of torture. Now, if that's the case, who will bring to trial, who will bring these war criminals uh, into court, into the uh, proceedings that will allow for punishment? Because, as you know, impunity will lead to further torture. The fact that they get away with it is, uh, is, is going to just encourage recidivism. Without punishment uh, of, of torture, it will continue as, a, uh, as U.S. policy. Uh, with impunity, torture will continue. Jim, it's your will. And what bothers me most is torture is really a symptom. Uh, the thing that bothers me the most is what came out of the Nuremberg trials, calling uh, aggression the supreme crime against peace, uh, much greater than any other crime. Uh, that's what bothers me. Who's going to punish the aggressors committing uh, egregious crimes, killing millions of people just in the post-9-11 era from violence, from deprivation, from starvation, from disease, unknown numbers, but in the millions Millions and millions of people in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, other countries, Yemen, Somalia. Who's going to punish the people responsible for that? And as bad as torture is, these other crimes, of course, Jim, are much worse. Well, Steve, and we have to look at the consequences for politics in the United States. I mean, all the shootings of Afro-Americans by the police, the militarization of the police, the impunity with which the judicial system treats uh, police killings of unarmed uh, suspects or just average people. Uh, this is an extension. Domestic policy is an extension of foreign policy and vice versa. I, I think we can't separate the torture in, 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 in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, from the police violence in Ferguson, uh, New York City, uh, Los Angeles, and elsewhere. I think uh, torture is the cancer of democracy because it has its tentacles in every direction. Which sure does, Jim. I refer to a U.S. state terror or Israeli state terror, and I refer to it going on at home and abroad in Israel, of course. It goes on in occupied Palestine, occasionally in Lebanon at Israel's discretion. And if it wants to, it might, of course, it's attacked Syria, bombed Syria maybe half a dozen times since early in 2013, and just a couple of days ago, bombed Syria again. I mean, these are war crimes, and yet no accountability at all. There's barely any discussion about it in the mainstream, and Israel knows it can get away with this stuff anytime, and America as well, going to war, aggressive war, naked aggression against any country they want, and claiming it's doing it for humanitarian reasons or other baloney. And of course, anybody with half a brain knows that that's exactly not the case. It's imperial aggression, plain and simple, the worst kind, to dominate countries, to ravage them, to destroy them, to create more U.S. colonies, to exploit people, to, to steal their resources. It goes on and on, Jim. And again, torture is just a symptom of all, all, all of this ruthlessness that goes on. And no country is a more ruthless practitioner than America. And I would rank Israel number two. 
Well, I agree with you, Steve, and, and I think uh, you've covered some of these issues very well in your writings. I, I, I want to note, uh, in addition to this discussion we're having on uh, torture as, a, as an instrument of U.S. policy, that there are other instruments, too, that are being used to subvert countries that are posing alternatives, positive alternatives to the United States. Uh, this recent uh, legislation applying sanctions to Venezuela is, is a very uh, important case in point. Venezuela has carried out very significant social reforms going in the opposite direction from the U.S., increasing pensions, uh, wages, uh, increasing the uh, social uh, policies of new housing, public housing, uh, increasing living standards, uh, and, and, and imposing uh, greater restraints on the financial sector. And this is the country the U.S. has now, the uh, U.S. Senate, the U.S. Congress, and, uh, and apparently Obama's ready to sign off on this legislation, applying sanctions on uh, on legislators and officials in Venezuela because uh, they're carrying out a policy defending their country from subversion and and uh, and trying to carry forth a, a real social reform welfare agenda and and I think this is very serious because today they're implying uh, imposing sanctions down the road. They're going to be planning more violent destabilization policies as they have tried in, in last February, as they tried in 2002 by a military uh, business coup. So I, I think these sanctions are a dress rehearsal for even more virulent opposition. The U.S. can't stand to face up to an alternative government and and uh, and compete. Uh, who can uh, satisfy uh, popular needs are better, either through uh, Wall Street capitalism or through welfare type of socialism. And I, I think the Venezuela posing this alternative in the Caribbean in particular uh, is is under threat today from the U.S. Uh, Congress and, and its uh, executive partners. It really is under threat, Jim, and, and the best chance Venezuela has to keep the, the, the Bolivarian policies that, that it has gotten under Chavez and continued under Maduro is that the great majority of Venezuelans value them so much they simply don't want to lose them. And it was absolutely astonishing. I remember so vividly, Jim, back in April 2002, the, the two-day aborted coup where the people of Venezuela came out en masse and simply wouldn't tolerate the ouster of Hugo Chavez and the, and the high command of the military apparently went along with them, and 48 hours later, after Chavez being ousted, he was brought back literally from the dead. I'm sure the Bush administration people um, realized they made a mistake. They should have killed him while they had a chance, but they didn't, and he came back and he stayed until Obama killed him a couple of years ago, and I'm convinced Obama did kill him, poisoning him with three major... Three or four major surgeries in 18 months couldn't save him. I mean, that's just astonishing. People die from cancer all the time, but they, but they don't die 18 months after contracting it, especially with the world's finest medical care and surgeries to remove it, and apparently thinking you got it all, but, but not getting it all. So I don't know what it was that Chavez was infected with, but I think Obama killed him, and Maduro knows that he's vulnerable as well. But the power of the people of Venezuela, Jim, may be the most important threat 
threat America has, and, and, and very possibly they will come out again if, if the Bolivarian benefits are threatened and repeat what they did in 2002. I hope so. The reason I didn't put Senate past uh, sanctions against Venezuela in, in my title, Jim, was that the House may vote today and do exactly what the Senate did, and the Senate passed it unanimously by voice vote, not a single profile of courage in the Senate voting against a lawless act. Only the Security Council can impose sanctions, not a country unilaterally, but America does it all the time. Nobody says anything about it. Some countries ignore it, like Russia, like China to some extent, both countries to some extent. It's about time all other countries told America to go to hell, Jim. Wouldn't that be a wonderful day? And Israel as well. Well, I think uh, if if the uh, if the Venezuelan government brings this matter up uh, in the national uh, the, the General Assembly of the United Nations, I think we'll get the same kind of lopsided vote of probably 150 in favor of of opposing U.S. sanctions, uh, three opposed uh, Israel and, and some island in the middle of the Pacific with a couple thousand people, and probably a, a dozen of the. Uh, of flunk, European flunkies in Poland, Romania, uh, England, and France, of course. Well, probably France, I'm not sure. Uh, probably Germany. Uh, but they're embarrassed by this if, if you ever talk to them. How, how, why, do you, uh, why do you dogtail the U.S. policy on these atrocious issues? Well, uh, you know, they... Uh, they twist our arms, etc. But I don't think that's an excuse either. Uh, but it's clear the U.S. is going to be very isolated on this. That's why they're freezing the accounts in the U.S. They're not calling for sanctions uh, generally applied. It's a strictly a unilateral move that affects any Venezuelans who have uh, any kind of interest in visiting Miami or Disneyland or whatever uh, that have some official position. I don't think the sanctions at this point are really any uh, direct threat to the Venezuelan people or economy, but what they are a prelude to is first stigmatize Venezuela in, in the U.S. media and then uh, use that stigmatizing to build up the uh, channeling resources to the opposition. Nine, uh, 2015 or our municipal elections, the uh, U.S. is going to ha escalate uh, their campaign, especially an economic campaign to sabotage the availability of basic commodities. Uh, they'll probably finance uh, and, and with great amounts of money the political opposition. Uh, they will probably sabotage uh, uh, periodically the electrical system, and uh, very likely they'll try to provoke some ire and anger from the people by assassinating another congressperson, as they did a few months back. So I, I think this is the prelude to a whole uh, political offensive in 2015. Oh, indeed, Jim. Of course, with the Republicans coming over and taking control of Congress, and Obama a lame duck, but 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 just just as anti-Venezuelan as, as the most militant Republicans, you you can expect a bad year in 2015. And right now, of course, low oil prices are hurting the Venezuelan economy, and yet Bolivarianism is such an important thing. I mean, Venezuelans. I've said so often in articles where Venezuelans have rights, uh, social rights that Americans can't even imagine: free health care, free education. 
subsidized food for people who need it. Uh, poverty re- reduced dramatically under Chavez and Maduro. Just extraordinary things that have taken place. And of course, Venezuela is what I and others call the threat of a good example. America is such an abysmal country, a police state by any standard, and Venezuela exactly the opposite. And, and, and the Congress shows what it's made of by, by sanctioning a country, whatever kind of sanctions are imposed, unanimously a disgrace, a blight on the national conscience, Jim, and yet they'll keep doing this and hammer more. And yet in 15 years of trying to change the system, they haven't done it, Jim, and I only hope that they fail every time they, they continue to try. They'll continue to try, no question. That's true, Steve. And what we have to point out also is the wave of protests over uh, police state methods and and police killings of uh, uh, Afro-Americans and Latinos uh, is become a national movement. I mean, this idea uh, of uh, police having impunity of the judicial system going along with it, President Obama mumbling uh, empty phrases about uh, the need to respect the law, uh, all this uh, movement, I think, is very significant. It reminds me of the earlier Occupy Wall Street movement. It shows a really uh, large-scale uh, sense of, of, of discontent in this country. I think the, what you see in the streets is just the tip of the iceberg. I think millions of Americans are fed up with arbitrary government, uh, police state methods. And I, I don't mean just Afro-Americans. I think Americans in general uh, are, are sick and tired of being uh, intimidated by the government, invented uh, threats of war and terrorism abroad. Uh, and, and all of this, while their living standards are declining, their working conditions are getting more onerous, and there's no end to this uh, this uh, this great uh, fiesta, Wall Street fiesta. Yeah, there really isn't, Jim. We're just about out of time. Uh, I can only see things getting worse in America. And what's going on now just may be the tip of a massive eruption, Jim, if things get much worse. If people are hurt that badly in their pocketbooks and they see money going to big corporations, Wall Street especially, and, and, and in waging one war after another, and then cops shooting black people in the streets or Latino people or beating up on people, there'll be something happen, something may happen that will ignite a bigger spot than already, Jim, and the entire country may erupt. What's going on now just may be the prelude of something really big that will take place. And we remember the 1960s and early 1970s, civil rights and the anti-war movement. We could see that again in spades, Jim. I only hope we will. That's the only chance we have for change. I agree with you, Steve, and I want to wish you and your listeners a very good New Year. I won't say happy, but at least a new year in which there will be good fellowship and solidarity among people, friends, families, colleagues, neighbors, and American citizens. Absolutely, Jim. I'll be spending my holidays doing, as I like to put it, what I love best, Jim, and it really is what I love best, what I look forward to every day when I get up, just putting out more writing, doing a media work, hosting, or being interviewed. It's become a passion for me, Jim. I know you love it, too. And people like you are the inspiration, Jim, to keep me going. We are out of time. Jim, I look forward to... Okay, Steve, it's great talking to you again and your audience. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. I'll get back. I look forward to having you back in the new year, and we'll keep hammering at these big issues. Many thanks, Jim.